Hello my lovelies, this is the Sober Manifesto. My name is Dinny and I am not only your host, but I am a mindset coach, a realtor and a manifesting master. With this podcast, it is my intention to inspire you into action to help you elevate your life to receive more wealth and happiness. Whether you want to take your business to the next level, find true love or just attract more money and abundance, this podcast is for you. I will be sharing with you how I personally transformed my life, healing my relationship with money and changing my mindset to believe that I was worthy of being a badass boss bitch. Life is not a competition, people. It is a community and there is enough abundance for everyone. So join me today as we grow with gratitude, lift each other up, maybe cry a little bit and just start winning. Hello, you beautiful lot, and welcome to episode two of The Sober Manifesto, where I, Denora, will share with you my tips and tricks on how to manifest your best life, whilst also being sober. <laughs> being sober is not a must. Unless you're an alcoholic like me, then I would highly, highly recommend it. I really hope the first episode helped you connect a little bit more to your source energy and abundance has been coming into your life all week long. But what if it hasn't? What if you believed so hard and still nothing? What are you going to do now? Roll your eyes, cuss my name and vow never to worry yourself with this mumbo jumbo ever again and just continue to work hard to get your damn self to the top. <laughs> so before you run off to find a second job or you're to desperately sign up for a website that buys your feet pics, I would like you to hold off on that for just a little while longer as we explore the biggest reason why you are struggling to get past the first hurdle. We talked a little last week about the magic in imagination, feeling and believing. We also brush through setting an intention, declaring what you want, and then inspiring action into your life to give the universe clear pathways to deliver to you the abundance you have asked for. Unfortunately, for the majority of the population on this planet, we all hold deep-rooted subconscious responses to certain memories. They can be holding us back from getting all the goodies from the universe. These are called blocks. We have relationships blocks, trust blocks, health blocks. There are so many of them. But today, we're gonna to be concentrating on money blocks. I'd like to throw a guess out there that most of you have been working on manifesting more money over the past few days, so I thought it was the best choice. My entire life, I have watched my mother have a really difficult relationship with money, and I'm sure that I'm not the only one who was raised that way. She is quite possibly the hardest working woman I know, and she has never ever had any debt, and if she wants something, she just works and saves, works and saves. She also taught me that there was never enough. And this wasn't her fault. This was just how we were raised, how she was raised. Money was always tight and she could never work hard enough to buy the house alone that when my father and her were married, they never bought. The no-name brands lined our pantry and my cousin's hand-me-downs were my favorite items of clothing, clothing in my closet. And actually some of my happiest memories were going to my cousin's house empty-handed and leaving with bags and bags full of clothes that she had grown out of. I wish my mother knew back then what I know now, that you do not have to kill yourself to have the life you dreamed of. 
I lived with my mother until I was about six or seven. I was always clean, our house was absolutely spotless, and I was well fed. I had swimming lessons and ballet lessons, and she'd done her best to give me the money for the corner shop on the weekend to buy my Beano comic. But she spoke about money like she hated it. My father and her divorced. I would always hear them argue about child support. She hated having to argue with my siblings to watch me so she could go to work to pay the bills. It, it felt like I was a burden because she had to spend money in order to go and make money. And not that that was her intention, and I know we weren't the only family to feel like that, but that was just how a lot of us were raised. Generally, money was spoken about most days and never in a yay money kind of way. It was just a hot topic of conversation always. And it's uh, something that when I think about my childhood memories, it's always kind of just lingering around there. When I moved in with my dad, it wasn't much better. He was very frivolous with money. He spent it freely until we had none. And when he was spending it, none of it went on things that we needed. Usually junk food and plants and fishing gear. Things like school uniform, feminine products, they were usually bought for me by my older sister and she would always take me clothes shopping. But I remember my best friend at school always sharing her lunch money with me every single day. I was very lucky that she was my best friend because I wouldn't give someone half of my lunch money every day. I had a big appetite. Things were a lot cheaper back then as well, actually. I think it was like 50p for a giant cookie and I could munch on that for about... Okay, who am I joking? I would scoff that thing down well quick. I often think about my old school and the school food. I loved it. I know, you know, a lot of people complain about the food in their school cafeteria, but St Paul's Massive... What a great cafeteria that was. I'm going to manifest it. I'm going to manifest going back to the UK next year and going straight to my old school and having a Cornish pasty. Those things were amazing. I weren't really into the burgers and chips like everybody else. For me, it was a tuna roll, giant cookie and a Cornish pasty. I think the Cornish pasties were 65p. Actually, thinking back, I think the cookies were like 25p. Someone who went to St Paul's, please reach out to me and let me know because it's going to bug me. Anyway, swiftly moving on. I was about 13 when I first got my first job. It was in a fish and chip shop in the area that I lived. I'd had quite a few jobs actually throughout the years until I got pregnant when I was 18. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I had so many jobs. My sister will tell you it's because I used to take days off all the time. I was very young, mind you. I will tell you it's because I was just trying to find my place in this world. I was looking for a career and I just hadn't quite found it. Now, during this time, I had to leave my dad's house and my stepmother's house. And when I was about 16, I was still at school. I was just finishing off my last year. Um, I moved in with my sister. <laughs> it was very clear to her quite quickly what relationship I had adopted with money, and it was my dad's. Because within two months, I had successfully convinced her that she needed a cosign on a phone plan for me. <laughs> it was a very frivolous spending adventure because I ran up a very, very huge bill. There was no limits on it, and of course, I couldn't pay it. And then my first money argument entailed. I had created so much tension around money and it had just snowballed and it really affected our relationship. 
it got to the point where I almost felt like I didn't deserve to have it because I couldn't control it. So not long after that, before I turned 17 for sure, um, I, I moved out alone. She'd had enough, rightly so. She was just trying to raise her toddler and I was not her child and money was hard enough as it was for her. She didn't need me coming in there and, you know, making it worse. And I think for a lot of people growing up in our generation across the world, I think money was a hot topic all of the time. So having no money, there really wasn't many options for me to go. And uh, I went to the local council and declared myself homeless and they sent me off to this tiny little hostel in London. I remember walking through those doors. My dad had dropped me off and I just had this little bag with me. And and uh, we'd been to the shop on the way there and I'd got myself some ramen cups. And it didn't, it didn't matter how much money I had in my pocket at that moment. I, I could have been flush with wads of cash. Being in that, in that room, in those surroundings... I had never, ever felt so poor. It's very interesting to me that it doesn't matter who you are, what you do for a living, how much money is in your pocket. If the environment that you live in does not bring you joy, no amount of money is going to make you feel good about yourself and your days are going to just be infected with this real low negative vibe. I actually started to resent people with money. They didn't have to live like this. They had choices. I think that's the biggest thing as well. I think we, as we assume that having no money means we have no choice. And having money means we have all of the choices. As I was laying on that bed, that had been slept on by God knows who, God knows how many times before, in a room that joined a kitchen in which so many people would just fill into it at night and they would start drinking and raise their voices and scaring me that that little lock on that little door would not be enough to stop them flying into my room. I had to get out of there. And it wasn't long until uh, a bald Irish man at my then job promised me a room in his little house in picturesque Surbiton. It's a leafy little village not far from where my mum lived with a pub on either end of the street and the high street was like a five minute walk away where I could go and get groceries and and things like that and I worked hard. My rent wasn't too high and once I'd paid that I'd had enough money to make my little space really pretty with some leftovers to buy myself some decent clothes. Laying in that bed at the end of the night I have felt like I earned I'd worked hard enough to enjoy the right to have this freedom however it didn't last long and remember when I told you that environment is really important now other people's choices can affect us also the Irish man that I was living with was also a raging alcoholic and one day I came home very very late after being at my boyfriend's house to find the front door just off the hinges and on the floor in the hallway. I obviously was very scared, I thought someone had broken into the house so I timidly just kind of like poked my head through the window which was broken also and just saw this half naked drunken bald Irish man ninja with a bandana around his head kicking the low hanging light fixtures and smashing the light bulbs I immediately 
um, asked him what the hell is going on. He just threw some explanation about being broken into at me, but he never explained his ninjiness. And I didn't feel safe anymore, so I left the next morning. I'd like to sidestep here for just a moment. This by far was not the scariest house I've ever lived in, but it was definitely the most random. Um, I still to this day don't know if we got broken into. That was my immediate thought, and he had, you know, confirmed that when I peeped him being a ninja. But um, I never really knew what happened. He was, and he wasn't actually the owner of the house. His aunt was, and if I remember rightly, she was a nun. It was almost like he was the black sheep of the family, shocker. And they allowed him to just shimmy his way through life under the radar. Uh, The whole time I lived there, which was uh, just under a year, I think no one ever visited him. And the only places he went was to work and the pub. So when, when he was at home and had lack of money, he would invent these little things to try and keep himself entertained. Hence the ninja. Um... I do remember once he had just gotten a new job as a chef at the local Freemasons chapter. I think all that behind closed doors clapping must have stirred something inside him and he decided that he was going to really throw himself into this cooking malarkey. <laughs> he, he really, it was bless him, he really tried to change his life for a hot minute. The dish was very shepherd's pie-esque. I don't want to say it was actually shepherd's pie because I don't think he quite got round to construction it, constructing it completely. It was like one part ground beef, 17 parts sliced garlic, and he drank all the red cooking wine and then whatever else we had in the cupboard. So by the time he finished dinner, he was making snow angels in the backyard. Uh, there was no snow, just overgrown grass. The scene was just essentially a very large, robust, drunk man flaying his arms in the in the weeds and the hot sun. I'd just left him. He slept it off for a little while. So I ran back to my daddy's house. But, but within a year of being there, I was back in another hostel. Only this time, I was pregnant. Life got harder and my views on money seemed very fixed. Work hard, get money, be happy. Now, I was pregnant with a man who was fresh out of jail. I couldn't work, ergo, I couldn't work hard, ergo, happiness was not attainable. And I couldn't trust the person I was having a baby with to support us. So I just felt lost in all corners, to be quite fair. And these money blocks, they start way before you're even born. They started in the lives of the people who would directly influence you in your formative years. And they started in my daughter's life while she was still in my womb. They are no one's fault. They do not make someone good or bad. But locating them and clearing those money blocks from your subconscious are very instrumental into a successful attraction. Some blocks are very obvious. Maybe you remember your parents reciting anecdotes to you as you were growing up, or teachers, whoever, like work hard, play hard, or cash is king, and my absolute favorite, money can't buy you happiness. Basically, if you work your ass off, you can be a king. But we don't want those who don't have money who work hard. So we tell them, don't worry, you won't be happy anyway. If none of that made sense to you, that's because it doesn't make sense. What the actual fuck? Now, I want this episode to be an invitation to you to go back to your childhood. Let's revisit your formative years and forgive yourself for any negative emotions you hold towards money. 
Side note, if you're trying to manifest something other than money right now, this works for every block. So if you're struggling to have a long lasting relationship, go back and explore your narratives towards being in a committed relationship. I mean, you get the gist. If you're struggling with addiction, when did that mindset start? Go back, go way back. I invite you to write down every single memory that pops into your head regarding money or love or addiction. Write it down, feel it, and then let it go. Say out loud, thank you, but you do not serve me, and then release it. If you make your list and wanna burn it under a full moon, go ahead. Whatever you need to do to release that kind of negative energy surrounding these really bad memories, go ahead. I don't care. This could take you a day, a week, or if you're anything like me, this is a list that you will be constantly working on. Because as you grow in this new way of thinking, as you get happier in your heart, your view of the world is gonna change. Your memories will look different to you. You will have boundaries now and you will develop this selfless, not selfish, selfless way of living. That's only effect on others will be positive and you will never respond to other people's choices the same way either. The past is a place that you should recollect in times when you need to raise your vibrations. In these moments when you're sad or afraid, access the joy that you have experienced before to help you in the very, very moment that you need it. This week, I had to accompany my eldest daughter to one of her cardiology appointments. Now, alongside my good looks and shining personality, I have also gifted my girls the glory of autoimmune diseases. I myself have the exotic Hashimoto's, but my eldest daughter was not so lucky with such an exotic name. Hers is abbreviated to POTS. Don't ask me what POTS stands for. She's gonna get so mad at me when she hears this because she has to tell me all the time. But basically, uh, it really affects her heart. Now, being the hypochondriac, dramatic one out of all of my children, I guess I've really like downplayed how much she suffers, but watching my baby girl, who is 20, but she's still my little girl, laying on this hospital bed, having an ultrasound of her heart, it really brought my attention to the seriousness of what she's suffering from. Instantly, I could feel myself disassociate. The feelings of anxiety and panic just starting to rise and my essence, my vibrations had dropped so, so low. I swear for a minute, I could just taste pennies. I was, I was nervous, I was upset, I was sad. I think the universe definitely noticed because it was at this point the technician decided to test the sound of her heartbeat and she turned the volume way up. <sighs> the wishes of her heartbeat just completely yanked me from whatever dark place I was in. But on the way back to reality, I was like kind of forced through this memory that I have not thought about since I lived it 20 years ago. I was laying on a bed just like the one she was right now with a technician just like the one she had right now making her magic on on my belly with an ultrasound machine and the sound of her heart beating just filling the room and my eyes just filling up with tears just like right now I was completely lifted up by that memory in that moment and thrown back into my body and reminded how important good memories are in the times that we're feeling not so great. The past should not be a place that brings you sadness for more than a moment. As a wise friend once told me, you can visit sadness, but you cannot stay there. 
Brandy, that quote stays with me every day and has helped me stay sober, so thank We cannot help where our mind wanders off to sometimes and situations trigger different memories, but it can be dangerous. I mean, Jesus, just a few years ago, a couple of bars from any Kenny Rogers song would send me into a spiral. I would hunker down in my living room or usually actually my bathroom because I could smoke in there without anybody knowing and just get drunk, smoke a pack of cigarettes, put some Kenny Rogers on and cry. Now this came because I had a real hard time um, accessing and feeling my emotions. I suffered from anxiety, anxiety and panic attacks and that made my vibrations really erratic and all over the place and sometimes I would just want them to stop and to calm down and obviously alcohol and cigarettes um, are very, very good tools at doing that. So I would really like to turn my night into into itself and have a private opportunity to just feel those emotions. I mean, that's what I thought I was doing. I was an alcoholic, so I was kind of getting drunk at night and having anxiety and depression throughout the day. And Kenny Rogers was just such a huge trigger for me. And this came about because the last time my dad and I shared a car ride, I'd picked him and my stepmother up from the hospital and I didn't realise at the time it would be our last car ride together. And we put Kenny Rogers on the radio, as we always did, well, the CD of Kenny Rogers. And my dad held my hand all the way home, 45 minutes, and we just cried. He was, he, my big, huge bear of a father was petrified because he was dying. And every time I hear Kenny Rogers now, obviously it makes me really sad because I miss him. But I only stay in this, this moment for a short period of time. And I access these memories differently now. I'm sad, yes, but I'm also happy because I am also so very good at this now. I've been doing this for a year that those sad moments also help me remember the good moments about my dad. They don't push me to alcohol and substances anymore. They make me remember why I'm sober because I couldn't keep going like that. I don't need to privately access my emotions anymore. I can just be like... Thank you for the memory. I'm letting you go. And when you write your memories, some of them are going to be very triggering for you also. So do not lose sight of your goal. That you are accessing these memories to feel them in the moment and then move on. You need to remove them from the negative side of your subconscious in order to receive abundance. If there's no room in your mind for positivity the universe is not going to be able to give you what you've been asking for now a couple of your memories may take a little harsher words than i love you and thank you feel free to shout fuck off whenever it's appropriate there are some memories in my childhood which are very hard to access and i say fuck off to them quite a lot but i make sure that i feel what it is those memories are triggering and then i move on fuck off helps a lot believe me it's time for you to take control of your life and that is very important and remember it's also includes your thoughts so just like last week i'm going to take a real small moment just to normalize asking for help your mental health is so important 
It is your mental health. It is not a burden. You are not less of a person for struggling and you do not have to do it alone. So stand up, speak out and accept help. If this podcast has found you, it's because you want to change your life for the better. You want a clear space in your life, get rid of all the bullshit, and you want to make room for all the good things you've been dreaming of because you're tired of it. You're tired of the negativity. So let's make sure your mind is at its fittest to handle it. But don't approach this with fear. Be excited. You're about to identify and remove so many blocks from your subconscious. Abundance will have nothing in its way and it will start coming into your life at such an alarming rate. So just as you made notes of all your blocks, start documenting all the positive things that have started coming your way. Maybe someone paid it forward and your coffee was paid for by the person in front of you or you received a discount that you weren't expecting. Maybe a random check turned up overnight okay for instance I wanted to get my eyebrows done I was married at the time and I just couldn't justify to him why $400 for some microblading eyebrows was so important he didn't understand that I'd overplucked in the 1990s he just didn't give a shit to be quite honest so I manifested it and then out of the blue a check arrived from our insurance company where we had overpaid and it was for exactly $400 It could be for something as simple as finding a dollar in the street. Do not miss a penny. Document everything and read your list often because the more you read it, the more excited you will get and the more excited you will get, the higher your vibrations and the higher your vibrations, you've guessed it, the closer to the universe you are. Now, do you want more ways to raise these vibrations? Because you can do what I do. You can dance, sing, laugh out loud, Put on the funniest movie you have ever seen and allow yourself to just turn off your phone for as long as you need to and just laugh. For me, it's White Chicks or a very old movie by Peter Sellers called The Party. It's hilarious. I highly recommend it. Cook. Oh my God, I love to cook. Bake. Eat. Kiss. Have sex. Do a bloody puzzle. Pet a bloody dog. You are the most important person in your life. Sorry, but it's not your wife, it's not your husband, or your kids, or your cat. Angel, I'm talking to you. I know you love Ruka, but you are more important than Ruka. It is you, because chances are, if you're a miserable bitch, then everyone around you is either going to be a miserable bitch with you, or they're just not going to be there at all. Listen, I've had so many changes in my life, especially over the last year. And I've learned a lot. I've learned that facing hard times, harder times than most, with as much positivity as I can muster, it makes a fall a little softer, but the rise so much greater. I'm not going to say bad things aren't going to happen. I'm going to say these are the tools to make your life easier. For me, I was able to successfully walk away from cigarettes and alcohol this time. Not because I was strong enough to fight the cravings finally, but because I had found a sober way to raise my vibrations and get that kind of tipsy feeling I had been chasing for all these years. And it worked. I just taught you all how to do it too, so you are welcome. Now come back next week where we will explore the practice of manifestation some more. No doubt I will share some more embarrassing stories and you can laugh at me, with me, because of me, whatever. Let's just laugh because it feels so bloody good. This has been episode two of the Sober Manifesto. Please do not forget to subscribe and leave me a review. I'm really excited to see you all next week for episode three.